Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the family with Ruben Paul, Steve London, Melissa Kirk, Andy Bernard, and Cassie Schrader. This Tom Bernard will be right back to kick things off with the family. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. Where's the manager? Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets. Join me, Tom Bernard, and Doug Sprinthal as we talk cars, how to buy them, how to lease them, how to make the most of your money, and much more. What's it going to take to earn your business right now? Tune in every Thursday from 2 to 3 Central or download it on the Tom Bernard Podcast page. I don't know. I think I'm going to have to think about it. It's always interesting to hear what Cassie has on the music docket. I'm in the mood for Prince today. And a little Tevin Campbell. Well, I'm glad that we're... (laughs) (laughs) A little Tevin Campbell? Okay, well, that's good. Uh, You know, Ruben. Yeah, whatever happened... One of the tough parts... Whatever happened to Tevin Tevin Campbell? I don't know. Yeah, that was like his one hit. Whatever happened to Tevin Campbell? I know. What were you saying, Tom? I'm sorry. No, 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 not, not a problem at all. But I, I just, uh, you know, doing the morning show and then doing the afternoon show, I spend a lot of time 
on stories, whether it's you know on television, it's video stuff, it's in the newspapers or whatever the deal is. And we've been talking lately, like every story has a political bent to it. Every story. It's just you can't get away from it. I look today. There's a couple of good ones today that don't have anything to do with politics. Wow. I'll just read the headlines for you. You ready? Yes. Ex-NFL player charged in death of girl is afraid to go home. Okay. Oh. I don't know what that's all about. Yeah. But here's my favorite. Uh, should favorite story of the day. Yeah, it should be empty. Why are you going? <laughs> yeah. Her, your ghost going to come and get you? Maybe if you killed her, maybe she'd haunt your ass. What do you think of that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, my favorite story of the day, though, so far. I haven't read the story yet, but the headline alone is a real grabber. 90-year-old Powerball winner sues son over money. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's an interesting world today. It's, what can I tell you? <laughs> he must have thought she wouldn't need it. <laughs> You're 90. I I'll guess. This. Yeah. I guess he just stole the money from her. Now she's suing over over the yeah. whole situation. But it's, um, you know. Uh, all he has to do is drag it out in court. That's all he has to do. Yeah, that's true. Just wait for her to die, you mean? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that what you're saying? That's real nice. <laughs> I just wait for her to die. Don't worry about it. Everything's cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, turns out her son's a moron. So she gave him the money to invest for her. Uh, oh, God. So he invested it in a... Radio call-in guy who charged her $2 million to do it. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yep. So <sighs> he got... If anyone tells you they need $2 million to do anything, they're scamming you. Jeez. So... Pretty much true, yeah. Pretty much true. <laughs> Pretty By the much. way, I'm looking at the picture of the guy. He's a complete loser. I'm looking at... The, he's just a flat-out loser. Lady, what were you thinking? I know it's your kid, but... Yeah. He looks like a dork. You know what I'm saying? You know, the other thing, Ruben, that, that, that we've been looking at lately, and today's another perfect example of it, uh, is the pandering that's going on in the politics in the United States. Uh, mm. uh, you know, I ask people all the time, do you get sick of being held up as kind of a human shield to make sure that certain, you know, certain honkies uh, got their ass covered? <laughs> I mean, you know yeah. what I'm talking about, yeah. don't you? I know exactly what you're talking about. And, uh... God. Thank you for bringing Honky back. I haven't heard that term used in <laughs> such a term. long time. <laughs> yeah, honky. You, you dusted that, that one off. <laughs> well, it's just, you know, I, I think it, it was uh, Superfly, the original with Rod hey, O'Neill, Superfly. <laughs> Watch where you, you going, honky, honky mother effort. <laughs> Hey, show you right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. But, yeah, we were talking about that. And what happened today was rather interesting because they passed a hands-free law in the state of Minnesota. Well, the, the governor's signing it today, so it's probably signed by now anyway. Uh -huh. But uh, no, uh, no talking or texting while you're in the car unless it's voice-activated. You cannot hold a... Uh, a cell phone in your hand and talk on it, but they made one exception. What? You know what the exception is? What's the exception? Muslim women can stick the phone between their hijab and their ear. Why? That's yeah. got to be uncomfortable as hell anyway. Why can't you just talk on it like everybody else? Yeah, for real. Well, that's what they do, though. Well, but that's so what that's, that's, that's actually, like, when you're just walking about you uh -huh. actually see women oh yeah they just have it stuck there you do yeah uh -huh. all the time it's a, it's a cultural thing it's a I cultural guess. thing yeah mm -hmm. they just do that well yeah but why don't why can't they just voice activate like everybody else 
Well, yeah, I get. I'm I'm on board with you there, but <laughs> but no, the I'm just, reason they're I'm just doing saying. it is because they already do that to begin with. I think is why. Yeah, that's how they it. talk yeah, on the phone. Yeah, because, I don't care. Yeah, I mean, you're distracted. So this is yeah. when you're in your vehicle, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that means anybody who's broke and doesn't even have Bluetooth or anything in their car, they're not allowed to you use can the spend phone. Thirty dollars and get a Bluetooth headset, though. <clears throat> well, yes, thirty I, bucks. I mean, if you don't have Bluetooth in your car, can you afford thirty dollars? Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure every still, car on the at past. that point you're still manually rolling down yeah. your window. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Or not to That's mention true. some the very few people now that have like a flip phone that doesn't do Bluetooth capability. Yeah. I mean, what about them? Right. <laughs> I have a friend, no. his dad doesn't even have a cell phone. That's so That's weird. Oh, I love him. Doesn't have a cell like phone. Doesn't want to get a cell phone. And I don't really blame him, but but here's the thing, he's he's 80 years old and he's active, but it's like, all right, what if the car breaks down and you know, like, what do you like? What do you do? There's no payphones anywhere anymore. Yeah, yeah. That's the hard part. You go to a gas station now. There's no payphone anywhere. And they're not gonna let you use the phone anyway. Yeah, no. you have to buy one of those no, track phones. Yeah, <laughs> that's just I don't know. No, that's true. Cell phone. Look, I want to be does. very. My I want to be very, very clear. Yes. Your grandpa has what? My grandpa Your grandpa wears a, a hijab? No. <laughs> no, he just well, has, That's what I heard. No, he just started with just a tiny little, you know, track phone. Mm-hmm. Paid like $20 a month for yeah. minutes. That's all he started with. And then he jumped on the, the smartphone bandwagon. <laughs> and because I know smart. all the... All the uh, pricks at the newspapers and the TV stations are going to basically call me a racist now for saying that today. But I'm not talking about the Muslim side of it. I'm talking about, well, as Reuben Paul calls them, these honky mother efforts. That <laughs> really? <laughs> that you're, you're, hold- you're putting that on me, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. No, <laughs> yes, I am. It's unbelievable. But, but it's got, and I ask people, and I, uh, you know, I talk to people about this a lot, uh, you got to be getting sick of being being held up as a human shield so these these elitist and it is white people i don't know what the hell's wrong with white people right now it's just Tom, oh, I, was, I, I, was I, know. Ho- I was hoping you could explain that <laughs> <laughs> well we're figuring it out together ruben <laughs> okay <laughs> well we'll figure it out together awesome. I, I just why do some people, some white people, think they need to talk about how I know people of color and different orientations and different genders and transgender? What are you protecting yourself from? Well, because you're using these people as human shields. You can tell by the way they say it. Yeah. It's guilt. Yeah, it's guilt. White she guilt. Knows what? Yeah, a lot of it is, is guilt and to justify, you know, whatever behaviors or thoughts that they, that they truly have. I mean, I, I think I just at the end of the day, actions always speak, speak louder. People have very, uh, all kind of opinions. And then you go, well, how many black friends do you have or how many p- friends of, you know, of, of color do you have? Well, it's like, well, I don't really have any, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, other than but that, I love them. <laughs> oh, I had a, a I had a, a reporter approach me about my my racist views toward brown people. That's what they, they call everybody brown people now. Did yeah. you notice that? I've okay, so, heard that thrown around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, my racist attitude toward brown people, and I, you just don't, you don't, you just, it seems so obvious you don't like. I said, you know, and I got to be honest with you. 
When I was 18 years old, I moved to Grand Forks, North Dakota to work in radio. I didn't know anybody in town, and my roommates that I met up there were a black man and his black sister. Mm. And we were roommates. I don't think if I was really a racist, I would have lived with black people. Do you? No. No, not at all. And no. I mean, you have had so many conversations over the years, and I always uh, respect your stance on certain social issues. So uh, as a black man, I vouch for you, Mr. Honky. God, I love you. <laughs> Mr. Honky. <laughs> Mr. Honky. <laughs> I, I, just, I, I just would like to take it on an individual basis. Absolutely. There are people of all colors and all stripes that are jerks and people of all colors and all stripes that are wonderful people. Absolutely. What's the problem here? Yeah. I think a lot of it is empathy, you know. A lot of people really uh, just care about themselves. Yeah, um, there you go. It's the guilt that, you know, makes them try to justify uh, inequality or people being mistreated, so they try to make it seem like they're on board. I think it's just wonderful that that most people ignore the whole situation and go, now, come on, man, really? Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that multi-billionaire, because I believe Nancy Pelosi, and look, I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I'm mm-hmm. neither one, so I'm not taking a political stance here against anybody, yeah. as I've made very clear. I don't care for Donald Trump or Nancy Pelosi. Mm-hmm. I don't like either one of them. So, you know, it, it, it's not a political thing. Yeah. I just would like to see maybe it, maybe it could serve the taxpayer. What do you think? Just a thought. Yeah, it's a novel idea. You know, it is a novel idea. But, you know, the whole thing seems to me we could get past this. First of all, I'd like to know how it's possible. I don't know if you guys saw this yesterday, but how did Julian Assange stay so handsome? (laughs) Did you see him? No. Oh, my God. Well, he was was kicked out of the Ecuadorian embassy. And now he's probably going to get extradited back to the United States. He looks like he's 130 years old. <laughs> and you know why they kicked him out of the Ecuadorian embassy in, in London? Why? Because he would skateboard through the embassy at like 3 o'clock in the morning and holler and whisper and play very loud music at 3 o'clock in the morning. So they finally said, you got to go, pal. And they kicked him out of the embassy. <laughs> Who's in the embassy at 3 o'clock in the morning? Can a guy well, skateboard well, the... and yell at 3 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> yeah, it sounds like something off a person wreck. You know? <laughs> That's his oh, downtime. <laughs> Andy, would you uh, see if you can find a picture of Julian Assange that you can show them? He looks horrible. Is it with his beard? Yes. Okay, yeah. I, I'm looking at it right oh. now. Honestly, oh, How's yeah. it going, great grandpa? He looks like that guy from um, what was that? The uh, National Lampoon Christmas movie. Oh, Randy Quaid. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does have a Randy Quaid quality to him. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, that's that's nice. Oh my oh, goodness! He totally oh, he does. He, oh, yeah. He totally. <laughs> they left out the drug yeah. use that was involved in him yeah. skating <laughs> through those halls at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> God, you think that yeah, Randy Quaid might have done a drug or two, maybe? You think? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at three o'clock oh, in the morning. Oh God. Jeez. I want to know what yeah, happened. I, what 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 led up to the skateboard riding at three a.m. <laughs> That's what I, I want to know. Thought he was, I think he was king. Of the, he thought he was king of the world. He could do whatever he wanted to, but now he's being extradited. Probably spend the rest of his life in prison. Dumbass. <laughs> no. Probably a lot of booze. I know. That's right. Saying, uh, since you're extraditing me, can I take the cocaine with me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can I just take it with me? That'd be that'd be fun for me. I don't know. That it's just done. Um, oh, speaking of booze hounds, by the way, I was. Uh, you know the guy who does the Trivago ads, the guy on TV. 
No. You know, Travago, that, uh, that there are all these different hotel rooms you uh, can find yeah, the yeah. cheapest Oh, one yeah, I know who you're Travago. talking about. I know who you're talking about, yeah. Okay. Well, many years ago, I have, a, I have a friend that he's a New York Italian guy, right? Mm-hmm. So we're sitting around years ago, and this guy comes on and starts talking about Trivago, and he goes, hey, Tommy, Tommy, I guarantee you that guy's a soak. He called call him a drunk, basically. Yeah, drunk, right? <laughs> well, he just got arrested for DWI because he was sitting on the side of the road with the car running and his foot on the brake, passed out. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's not a good move there for, was it Tim Williams? I think his name is Tim Williams. Yeah, he got, uh, he got pop. Oh, he's got the exact same hair as Hillary Clinton, too. I just noticed that. <laughs> they got the same haircut. I'm not, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's just they got the exact same haircut because there's a picture of them side by side. Can we go back to the yeah, words? The word soak? I've never heard that term used ever. I think the guy just, um, you know, might be a New York Italian thing. I don't know, but I think it's soaking up all the booze you possibly can. <laughs> that's a great. I think that's what this guy's a soak. <laughs> the guy's a soak, man. <laughs> you know, it's like a booze hound, a soak, you know, all the good stuff. Oh, wow. The diversity just increased in the room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, JB. 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 Uh, funny thing is, when you said that, yeah. he actually knew what that meant. Yes, exactly. <laughs> You're so yeah, sharp, Yeah, I knew Tom. exactly what it meant. Oh, yeah, that's it. That's it. My youngest brother got there, so I, I knew when you said that, oh, diversity. Yeah. My Every every gift I get from from JB, and some of them that make me tear up, so I throw them at him because it's too sweet. Yep. Oh, wow. It, it is, honest to God, you're, that part of you, JB, I will never forget, man. You are one of the kindest people I've ever met. God, I hate being nice to you. Yeah, no, I so, know that. And JB, we, we, we were talking about honkies earlier. Were you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so go ahead and jump right in, sucker. <laughs> I love that so much. JB, what's up, man? Nothing, just running in. Yeah, you know. running it. Okay, well, we can take a break so you can settle down. Did you bring a cookie with you? No, I got some Cheetos. <laughs> Cheetos. Oh, Cheetos. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I knew he had something. But the line, Ruben. Was, I'm not kidding you. The, what? the line was too long to place uh, an order downstairs. Yeah. So wow. I'm not kidding you. Some days he walks in that studio and he's got a cookie the size of a manhole cover with him. <laughs> And those cookies are huge. Those things are big, man. And JB looks we like he's right in good back. shape, man. Oh, he is in really good shape. Absolutely. And by the way, his son's a lot nicer than he is. So let's just keep a focus on that. Don't you think, JB? That's true. <laughs> we'll be right back yeah. with the family. It's Tom Bernard with CEO Michael Bilski from North American Banking Company. Michael, we spent some time talking about your free app and money transfer service, XCheck, which is just great, by the way. You can transfer money to your kid to travel home from college and lots of other uses. I got wind of another service you provide at North American Banking Company. What's this Super ID I've been hearing about? Great question, Tommy. Super ID uses your face proof and your finger proof to keep your identity and your money secure. It's really a foolproof way to protect your family and your business from identity fraud. It's simple, fast, and oh, the best part is that it's free to our customers. Super ID, super easy, and super secure. Visit nabanco.com or see my personal banker to get the scoop on XCheck and Super ID. North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC and an equal housing lender. 
Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. Spring is here, and there's no better time to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they want to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK spring savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today. Or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them I sent you and save 500 bucks on your LASIK. Offer expires June 21st, 2019. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offers. James! It's the original beef mm. song. Yeah. It is. Yep. The uh, payback. This song was out when Honky was very popular. <laughs> <laughs> I love that term, Honky. I get it. It's the greatest. <laughs> Tom, I can't believe that you brought that back. I think we need to. I love I it, Ruben. <laughs> Uh, George so Jefferson used to say it once a week. Yeah, I know. He did. That's right. <laughs> At least once a week. He did. God, those were great shows Our, back in the day. Richard right Pryor on uh, Saturday Night yeah. Live. Was it honky, honky. Honky. Dead, dead honky. honky. Yeah. <laughs> That's because he dropped the big N on him. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> That, that I was never forget the Chevy Chase. Yeah. yeah, that was yeah, man. That that sketch was something else, man. Classic. There's mm-hmm. yeah, there's no way they do that sketch today, even though it's ridiculous because they're so afraid of that word. It's a word. It's a mispronunciation of the word Negro. Irish immigrants couldn't say it. Don't give the word that much power. Follow yeah, That's a uh, not that I'm running around saying it. No. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Tom, <laughs> they took that word away from me. <laughs> okay, I got to speak very clearly. You know Dave Mordahl, Ruben. Yes, yes, great comedian. He's on Absolutely. the KG Morning Show. Dave Mordahl. Yeah, <clears throat> he he has a son named Nick. <laughs> okay, you know this story, don't you, JB? Mm-hmm. That's why I'm laughing. Okay. He if JB's laughing, had... it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it is okay. But I'm, I have to speak very clearly. Okay. Because uh, his son, Nick, you know, you always have, like, we used to call Andy Panda when he was a little kid. A little boy, we called him Panda. You know, Andy Panda. You might not, you know, right? But he can't find his son, so he's looking for him. So he starts shouting, Nickers, Nickers. <laughs> Like N I C K E R S. That was his nickname. Not a good idea, Dave. Not in a. It's. I'm sorry. You better speak very clearly when you say Nick with an E R S at the end of it. Thank God. Uh, the hell's wrong with you? He was yelling this out in a public place. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yes, in a supermarket. Yeah. Well, something like that. But he didn't. That would definitely expose a real racist. That goes Nickers, Nickers. Uh, I don't know. There's a group over there in the corner. Oh no! I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm looking. I'm uh, <laughs> looking for my son. My son. <laughs> God, I just saw something that I'd never knew before. One of my heroes, and JB will tell you that. Well, and everybody there will tell you this: that my hero is a, is a kid because he said, "Judge people not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character." Absolutely. Martin Luther King. I, I adored him, man. I thought he was a, a genius. Brilliant. Man. I didn't know this. Oh, he was absolutely. Yeah. He knew he was going to die too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was the scary part. He predicted his own death. Yep. But. 
part of Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech was improvised. He later admitted that in the moment he felt like turning his speech into a sermon, so he improvised part of that great speech. Wow. Is that unbelievable? Well, it just shows that he was really connected to his his message, you know what I mean, where it didn't have to be rehearsed and practiced in the mirror where he was just speaking from his heart. So that that says a ton about about him and, and how he felt about the movement. No, you're absolutely right. I was a very young teen, and I'll never forget him saying that. I thought, man, that's brilliant. Yeah. Just forget all this other stuff. The content of one's character is all that matters. Yes. What? I, yes. But I didn't know you. I had no idea he improvised part of that speech. It shows how I smart he really was. Yeah, I didn't know that either. So that's wow. That's impressive. It just popped up. You know, I just threw out that uh, nickname for Nick, and you know, all these people popped up on my screen. I, mm-hmm. They're all named Nick. So that's good. Uh, but, yeah, I see, I love learning things like that. Yeah. What do you say, JB? No, I was going to say you're being followed by their Internet again. Oh, that happens to me all the time now, man. It happens to everybody, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. I mean, honest to God. You know, the thing that's interesting about uh, Martin Luther King, if you just Google, he has so many famous quotes that resonate and are still, uh, what's the word? Um, they still no, apply today. Bro. Yeah, they're just yeah. as important today as they were when yes. he, he made those statements years ago, which is kind of sad. I, uh, it is really, really sad. Yeah. I, uh, you know, and, and Ruben, you and I have probably talked about this before, but when he was assassinated, my neighborhood in North Minneapolis was burned to the ground that uh, very summer. Wow. It happened April 4th, April 4th, and then just a few months later, my, my neighborhood burned to the ground. Wow. It was, it was quite the moment to be alive, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Jeez, man. man. <laughs> it was unbelievable. It was, it was amazing. A lot of anger, I'll tell you that, but... Uh, yeah. No, I just, I, I love to find out things like that. The people, I just improvised it. Like, what? It's one yeah. of the most brilliant speeches ever given, and you improvise part of it? That's and how very many, cool. And how many people were there at that speech? The, the number of, Oh, like, God. It was, I mean, at that time, it was like one of the largest public mm-hmm. gatherings ever. Mm-hmm. It was. And to, to was it? and to have the, you know what I mean, the just the, the confidence to be able to improvise a speech in front of that many people is just amazing. The sad part of that speech is um, when we reach the promised land, I may not get there with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, man. Yeah. That was so touching. It was unbelievable. Uh, I wish we had more people, and I don't care what the hell color they are. It'd probably be, be one of each. That would be really good to just step up and go, this is not about hating one another. It's trying to find common ground. Absolutely. God, I wish we were there today. That would be so wonderful. Well, I mean. To be honest with you, um, that's what I try to use comedy for, yeah, is to you find that common ground to bring people together. That's why when I do a show, even though a lot of the times I might be performing to predominantly uh, white audiences, a.k.a. Tom Bernard's reference for honkies, um, <laughs> <laughs> that my whole purpose is to let everybody realize that we have more in common than we think. And it's no important doubt. that we find those common grounds. Yeah, there's differences. There's no two human beings that are the same, even if they are the same race. So how can you expect, you know, different cultures to be the same? So it's important nope, to kind of true. examine and explore that and hopefully give people some type of, uh, you know, understanding and, and peace about the situation. And it's about acceptance. 
That's what I really name. like when I see your name, and I, that's that's why I'm so glad you came in today because we we talk about things and mm-hmm. you make complete sense and you use it in your comedy. Yeah, because you really do believe it. I I just man, if if everybody would shut up and just listen to one another, that'd be really great. <laughs> yeah, and that'd then, be really nice. And we have all these preconceived notions, like you know, being a black comic sometimes doing a show. And, you know, if somebody shows up and has never seen my act, they might go, oh, okay, all he's going to do is make fun of white people for an hour. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm going to make fun of you, but I'm going <laughs> yeah. to make fun of everybody. Yeah. Um, in, in a sense, to just bring people together to laugh at each other, but also to gain some, some knowledge. Because I think part of racism is ignorance because oh, yeah. people simply no don't. doubt we don't speak we don't communicate we don't hang out with each other so you're basing all these opinions on things that you've seen in movies or things that you've seen in the news that have no real sense of real interaction with another human being of another race you know even from the black side i have white friends that might feel a certain way about white people and go well have you ever hung out with white people no but man you know like how can you just make this blanket statement? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, right. so you do, I do give everyone a chance before I, uh, you know. <laughs> Bias. Yeah. That's all you can ask. Bias is built on ignorance. Yeah. Agreed. No, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. And I, that's why, like I said, we need more open dialogue, really, with, with basically nothing to gain. Because every time I see a speech now, it's like, oh, look at them making money. Right. Uh, absolutely. You know? And there's more it's money just, uh, in, 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 it seems like, in separating us than bringing us together. Oh, yeah. Dividing. Oh, yeah. You know, it's Divide like, and conquer. Absolutely. And, and I, I'll tell you, I've had some unique situations. I'll never forget, I was in Chicago doing a show at Zany's in Chicago. And, yeah, uh, okay. And it, uh, it was a great show. And at the end of the show, uh, this guy comes up to me and he goes, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? And I said, uh, sure, sir. It was a white guy. <laughs> so... When he wanted to pull me privately, I was like, uh-oh, he's about to say something horrible. I can, mm-hmm. I can, I can feel it. And he just goes, you know what? i got to be perfectly honest. He goes, uh, I, I, didn't, I don't particularly care for black people. Um, what? Wow. I swear to God, he says that to me. That's and I go, bold. Um, and he goes, but you gave me another way to look at it. And, um, you know, I might have just, uh, I just need to, you know, take some time and, and really try to judge people for who they are. And I said, well, uh, maybe not start off with, I don't like black people. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe when you meet other black people, don't start off with that statement. <laughs> Did he have a reason for saying that? Well, he had some issues. Yeah, we it, conversation ended up being longer. He had some issues growing up. Um, like, you know, a friend of his got, you know, beat up by a black guy. So now he hates all black guys because he think you know what I mean? It's all these things that could have happened in the past, but that planted that seed of thinking that all black people are exactly the same. And that's just <laughs> insanity in itself. If you really think about it, if you're it judging is. a whole race, you're, you're basically saying everyone is exactly the same, and that's impossible. That's not even humanly possible. It's impossible. We're being taught, though, that everyone's the same. Right. So technically that could do as much harm as good because if everyone's the same yeah. – you know, and your only experience with the black guy is that they beat up your friend, then, oh, well, everyone's the same, so yeah. all black guys are violent, but that's which what, is the opposite of what they're trying yeah. to get across, right. but that's also, simplistic messages like that never work. They never work, exactly. That's it, how we've been governed. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. As a country. 
in in certain ways. I yeah. saw it last night when you went on stage. Uh, a white couple got up and walked out. Mm-hmm. They did. Yes. As soon as he went on. As soon stage. as I went on stage. Yep. I'm yeah, sure. but that's because you're too handsome. Oh, that's why. Sometimes because a lot of them don't, they don't look at the uh, the poster of who's there and they go, "Oh, the black guy. I'm not going to sit well, here didn't and they listen buy the to this." <laughs> yeah, but some so, people don't pay I mean, attention. I get complaints all the time about people who don't know who the comedians are. Yeah, it's like if you spend that kind of money, <laughs> Google yeah. it's, now. It's, 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 go to your website. It's absolutely amazing. That's all. Sometimes <laughs> no, I'll be on done. stage and I will say it out loud, like, mm, "This wasn't on my ticket. <laughs> There's no photograph on your ticket, sir. It's just a, a comedy show." Some people just pay to come see comedy, and right. they don't do any research, research on who's there. Then they see a black guy coming up there. It's like, oh, I would have never paid to see a black guy. I literally stood there and said, is everything okay? Oh, yeah, we're, we're just going to leave. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> I knew exactly you know, what it was Ruben, for, too. Yeah. You know? yeah. Next time that happens to you, here's what I would say. As they're walking out, I go, my name is Reuben Paul. Would you think I was a Jew? <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they probably did. <laughs> <laughs> they probably did. <laughs> they get up and walk on you, really. I mean, here's the thing. Sometimes you never know Ugh. why somebody walks, but when somebody walks out before you even say one word, yes. I mean, that lets you know. I mean, yeah, I could tell you some terrible stories, but, again, it's, uh, it's the career I've chose, and I do enjoy it, and I enjoy the challenge of – Changing people's perception and making them laugh and think. And uh, even though that guy in Chicago was extremely ignorant, at least I planted a seed where he goes, you know what? Hmm. This guy was quite enjoyable. He was funny. And um, I learned some things. So maybe I'll be a little bit op- more open-minded of people of color. So well, I did my job. When I was in Plus, you're a great guy anyway. Well, they'll never. I mean, you are a really good man. They would Appreciate never that. take the time to figure that out. Though. Yeah. <clears throat> when I was in college, I had a racism class. Hmm. And um, didn't you teach it? No, I didn't teach ah. it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was three days a week, and Fridays wound up being open, somewhat of an open forum. Uh huh. And this one tall white guy stood up and he said, um, "Some people will probably have a big problem with what I'm about to say." And he said, "When I grew up, we had no problem using the N word." He didn't say N word. Mm-hmm. He said the word, and he goes. He did. Yes, and he goes. Um, he said necrophilia. Yes. <laughs> well, you gotta remember, Tom. This was uh, early to mid '80s, so. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and most of the gasp and whatnot were from white students. Black students just kind of sat there, like, okay. Yeah. And he kept talking. He said, "Well, part of it is." The way I was raised. And he said I was raised to not respect or like black people. Mm-hmm. And he kept going. And he, you know, he said, you know, my values and views changed when I came to school here and I met people from different cultures and Absolutely. whatnot. And the professor, when he finally stopped, said, okay, how do people feel about that? And, and, and he goes, blacks, are you surprised? Black students, are you surprised? Are you mad? Are you this, that, and the other? And I said, you know, for me personally, I'm not mad. I'm not upset. I said, I'm glad that he has, you know, he was open enough and evolved and whatnot. But I said, also, a lot of black people will will be at ease with somebody like him. And, And a lot of white students were like, what do you mean by that? I said, 
I know. At least I know where he stands. A, where he stands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if I don't true. have to be around him, I won't be around him. Absolutely. But I said, you know, when they they hide it and they covert about it and they they kind of dust it over with a phony attitude or white guilt or this that and the other, then you're like, okay, you know, then you you know then you're blindsided by that person. I said I'd rather know up front that person doesn't care for me based on some ignorance of my skin color or whatnot than than them hide yeah. yeah yeah i mean we got to take it i got to take a break okay. here be but just uh, uh, two minutes uh, i need uh, like every 15 minutes i need two minutes to talk behind jb's back yeah so <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back in a couple minutes with the family what are the things you want to avoid when it comes time to sell your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl. If you're like most people, it's things like open houses, staging, decluttering, repairs, maintenance, and all the people coming through your house. Hey, Tom, the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate was created for people like you so that you can avoid the things that you don't like doing when it comes time to sell your home. We have been presenting offers for homes in most price ranges. Homeowners are loving our guaranteed offer program, especially how much money they are making on their home sale without the inconveniences. So this program is for all price ranges and conditions, including perfectly maintained homes? Most homes do qualify. To see if your home qualifies, go to chrislindahl.com and click Get Offer right now. Will you be the next homeowner to accept an offer from our guaranteed offer program? Find out now. If you qualify, you will get an offer in 48 hours or less, and the best part is you get to pick a closing date that is convenient for you and close in as little as three weeks. Go to chrislindahl.com right now to see if you qualify or call 763-401-SOLD. That is 763-401-SOLD. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. Yeah, baby. <laughs> we are back, ladies and gentlemen. I like the conversation today. And we, here's what I like about the conversation today. Nobody's going, oh, you know, you're so right because you're not like me. I, God, I hate that when people do that. Yeah. Uh, it just disgusts me. It's like, well, you know, good God. Well, uh, we were kind of talking off air and. Cassie had brought up the fact that, you know, and you and I have talked about this for years. Mm-hmm. White people who think they know what's best for black people are they right, just give right. them what they think they need mm-hmm. or what, you know. And I said most of the time that's just to make themselves feel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like so, absolutely. Yeah, don't give me a handout. Give me an opportunity. Yeah, a real opportunity. Right. Yeah. And I was lucky enough when I was growing up between city programs and state programs, I actually had opportunities to meet people. Like I said, I worked at the U.S. Attorney's Office in St. Louis for two summers and had all type of different opportunities that introduced me to different things outside of sports and entertainment Mm -hmm. that showed me that there were other things I could do to once I grew up to make it. Yeah. Or be okay in life. So there's 
you know that's the part that's always bothered me people don't know how to they don't know how to balance that line of uh, opportunity versus handout yeah well the handout is used probably to control right you know and like you said to make themselves feel better when you think of opportunity we could take something as simple as, as sports in this country how for years and years and years and years you know, African-Americans or, or blacks weren't given the opportunity to play professional sports. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they probably tried to, you know, they created the Negro Leagues and all these other leagues. But when you, they were given the opportunity to compete, then we see the result of that, you know, where it's a, mm -hmm. you know, a level playing ground and made the best man win. And that's one thing. I, I love sports for so many different reasons. And one is because sports a lot of times takes opinion out of everything. Right. If I'm faster than you, I'm just faster, faster than, than you. you. Right. It has yeah. nothing to do exactly. with opinion. You know, in your opinion, who was the fastest? Well, the guy who was 10 yards behind <laughs> is the slowest guy. <laughs> There's no opinion that. And another thing that I love about sports um, is uh, it brings people together. Like when you're on a team, a lot of times, you know, you become very mm -hmm. close with your teammates, no matter what race they're in, what race they are, because you guys are all working towards the same common goal. And there's this unity and this brotherhood that develops, especially on good teams. That's why you see, you know, people like Dirk, Dirk, Dirk Nowitzki when you know, with his teammates on how they embrace mm -hmm. him and how they love him, and all these white players in the NBA, where there's JJ Redick. Isn't it funny? I could probably name almost every white person in the NBA. Yeah, that's really <laughs> great, Ruben. That's really great. But, you know, but here's the, a white guy that doesn't suck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but the but the unity, you know, the right. unity um, that is developed in a, a sports environment. Even when I played ball, you know, you have. People, when you're being recruited, you have people that come from all different types of backgrounds, from Nebraska, from Indiana, mm -hmm. from L.A., from Detroit, Chicago, Florida. They're all on one team. They call, come from all different backgrounds. And then you find that common ground to be able to work together as a, as a team. You I, know? I worked college athletics for 40 years in some form or fashion. Wow. And um, from the time of being a student manager up to I recently just left the position. But – uh, as a equipment manager, but um, some of my closest friends were for, uh, were also student managers mm. and uh, coaches and people behind the scenes because we we all had a common goal, which was all to support the athletes to make sure that they perform and they learn and they mm -hmm. learn how to you know get along and and mix with each other and what I mean. It's, you know, some of my closest friends to this day are people, uh, you, you won't know them, but Tom will know them, uh, Peter Nigerian. And, and, yeah. Um, yeah. His, da his dad was a, a famous transplant surgeon at the University of Minnesota Hospital. But, wow. you know, it's just I got to know and meet so many different people and backgrounds and, and cultures. I mean, people that maybe uh, had a better upbringing to some white people who even had it worse than I did. Absolutely. You know, but, you know, we all I got had, my hand up. <laughs> <laughs> we all had a common goal. And, it, you know, Tom and I have always talked about how uh, the great society in some ways has um, done nothing but split the black family apart mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. yes. the father was taken out of the home. Absolutely. Ugh. 
And there was a, and I'm, I'm searching Catherine, which is Tom's wife, uh, uh, Twitter feed, because she had um, retweeted a uh, video of a, a young black woman sitting in front of con uh, Congress and literally just killing the Democrats on, on the panel because she was pointing out that fact mm -hmm. that you've done nothing but give handouts. You haven't. Done, you right. don't give opportunities. All you do is give handouts to get votes. Yeah. I mean, she was literally attacking these people, and they didn't know what to say, because if they responded back, then they're then they've been, oh, there maybe their true colors might have shown or whatnot. Yeah. And the, yeah. And then handouts. A lot of times, especially if we're, we're talking about the male psyche, you know, it has an effect on your self-esteem your ability to provide mm -hmm. for your family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And at the time when a lot of black men couldn't be employed, the, the black women were the breadwinners of the family. Right. So how does most men feel about women who make m more money than them, no matter what race they are? A lot of men have a problem with women being the breadwinners. So imagine getting beat down year after year after year after year, not being able to, to feel, quote unquote, like a man. And then, you know, you probably start doing things. You self-medicate mm -hmm. to make yourself feel better. Then, you know, there's liquor stores on every corner. Oh, hey, yeah. You got to medicate yourself. Go a to the church, liquor store. A church. A church. A, a Chinese food place or a liquor store mm -hmm. on every corner in a black neighborhood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One of the... I like all it. three, yeah. maybe, but one all, of the three. All, all three. three. So then... The black woman comes home from work. The husband is depressed. He's been drinking all day. Now she's pissed because she's worked all day and the kids haven't been fed or haven't been bathed. And now they're yelling and arguing. And then mm -hmm. he, you know, it's just this, these conditions are created. Not saying that people aren't responsible for their own behavior, but we sometimes have to look at, you know, what caused the situation in the first place and fix that. We have to go back to the beginning of what's causing these scenarios and situations yeah, in these communities. It's odd. You have described my dad to a T mm. in, a, in a lot Percy. of work because, and he worked every day of his life from the time he left the Army at, six, at 16 because he went in at 14. Wow. Um, and got married to my mother at 18. Mm. Um but because he didn't finish his education, he, his opportunities were narrow. He had a younger brother, a year younger than him, who did finish his education mm. and uh, who had a better, in some ways, a better life. But, you know, my dad was frustrated because he was passed over for promotions that he clearly deserved better than the person who was given to and whatnot. Mm -hmm. It was all based on his lack of education. Yeah. So then his frustration would spill out spill out at home you know yeah being upset or drunk or this that and the other and you know and, and, and just it's depression and mental health is a real thing like that affects human beings and like blacks don't have the right to be depressed and frustrated and this this and that and people are just looking at looking at situations like everybody's just completely mentally stable insane are not dealing with certain issues that causes people to you know, adopt destructive behavior. Right. You know, that ultimately, um, you know, affect your way of life. But I will say this. Um, I always find it fascinating when I, you know, become friends with somebody who literally grew up in a racist environment, like a white friend. And they mm. chose, like we said earlier, 
not to be racist, like mm -hmm. the guy you described in the class. Like, I have a friend who was born and raised in Nebraska. He told me his family used the N-word every day, and this guy is the most loving human being you ever want to meet, and he has a hard time with his family now, and he's angry because right. he feels like he's been taught the wrong thing his whole life. Why? He went to college and made black friends, and he was, his mind was blown. Like, mm -hmm. guys, Wow. They've been lying about you guys. <laughs> right. His world was expanded. His world was expanded. Like, right. wow, you guys aren't anything like you were described, you know? And he got most of his information from, you know, always watching the news and seeing constant images of black people doing crime, which I believe a lot of times is strategic, mm -hmm. you know, because mm -hmm. there's a lot of mm -hmm. people doing crime. Just like I, I get frustrated with the term black on black crime. Well, yeah, there is black on black crime, but people usually are victims of crimes by people who look like them. Mm -hmm. Right. You yeah. know, yeah. Well, like like <laughs> black people kill black people, white people kill white people, Asians kill Asians, Mexicans kill Mexicans. But there's no moniker for anybody else but black people. Now, mm -hmm. if it's black on black crime, what is everybody else dying from natural causes? <laughs> 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 well, you know, we're the only one. We're the question. only ones killing each other, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it's not an issue, but come on. It's how we manipulate no. things. No, it's true. It actually makes My sense because um, we watch a lot of Criminal Minds. Mm -hmm. and oh, I love it. Yeah. I'm getting handy into it. He's been mm -hmm. watching it with me. Yeah. And, uh, and that's it. the main thing is it's very rare for a serial killer to kill someone of a different race mm -hmm. other than their mm -hmm. own. Yeah. So, I mean, like, if you think about it, if a serial killer is not going to go out and kill other people i mean it's very rare i mean sometimes if they are it's like all different kinds of people absolutely they don't just pick one person like a white per a white serial killer is not just going to kill only black people and, and they if they created this image in america yeah. that are making white people afraid of black people when it's not black people killing white people could you imagine if black people are going around killing white people <laughs> Like, literally think about that. Yeah. If black people were going around killing white people at a high rate, mm -hmm. could you imagine that? The reason why it's not a big epidemic is black people aren't going around murdering white people. It's, <laughs> yeah. not, it's not reality. Right. I, I think Tom and I discussed this many years ago. They used to show uh, footage of when they used to talk about welfare. When mm -hmm. they showed mm -hmm. people on welfare standing in line to get their food stamps or whatever. Yeah. They were always black. Mm-hmm. But then you no wait a minute. But then you would find out through statistics and whatnot, most people who were on welfare were white. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I would to, bring this up though. Right. This is a true story. When I was a young teenager, I think I was 15, 16 years old. My mother asked me if I would go get the food stamps. So you have to stay in stand in line for food stamps. I will tell you. The brothers thought it was hilarious oh, that course. I was standing in line for food stamps. Because <laughs> we've all been like, brainwashed. Yeah. We, we've all been brainwashed <laughs> to thinking that we're the only ones that are doing it. You know what I mean? We feel like yeah, you know, yeah. it's just for us, like welfare, a.k.a. for black people. And that's like the furthest thing from the truth. But it's just all manipulation. Kind of going back to what you said um, in the beginning of the show about you know, how politicians and everybody use us as shields to push their own agendas or yep. their own perceptions. And it's it's sad. But that's why I always get excited. I'm an optimist. So I always mm -hmm. love to meet people of different races and different cultures and kind of learn and just start from a common ground of, of respect, you know. Yep. And I respect people. I, people say you have to earn respect. To be honest with you, I give respect. And then you either 
continue to be respected by me or you do something where right. I lose respect. But you, like my teacher used to say, everybody starts off with an A. I don't give anybody a grade. Every Day one, everybody in this class has an A. You are going to earn your grade. So whatever you get at the like end of the semester, you've earned that. And that was that makes total great. sense. Yeah. Another question I have for you, Ruben. How the hell is it possible to be racist in Nebraska? There's like two Negroes there. <laughs> Yo. Him you and know Phillip? what I'm saying? But you know what's awesome? Yeah, Philip. <laughs> you know what's Phillip. awesome about having white friends, especially like who are open minded? It's like he would tell me things, like inside things that, you know, racist people would do that would have me in shock and laughing so hard at the same time. Because I was like, are you kidding me? He was like, oh, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. You, you have yeah. no idea. I mean, just phrases and things that I've heard and had no idea. Like they were, you know, uh, uh, un, you know, um, what's the word? It's like something that I would never know, but other white people would know in that area. Like they'd say certain phrases. Um, one that I heard, they, they would, uh, one friend told me, uh, they would call black people Canadians. Like, oh, here comes a group of Canadians. And I go, Canadians? What? Canadians? <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, like, you know, those Canadians don't tip. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> they call black people in restaurants Canadians. That's, he worked at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm sorry you're for kidding yelling. me. <laughs> yeah. No, is that that's true? A, my that's friend? an industry standard. It's an industry standard. I didn't know that. My God, Steve, thank you for saying that. Some of you guys listening probably thought I was making that. No, it's a true it. story. It's a true story. He, he worked in a restaurant. He goes, yo, dude, when black people come in, we call them, they call them Canadians. Mm-hmm. It's Canadian. It's, yeah. Here, oh, there's a group of Canadians over there. You take that table. I don't want that table. Exactly. Yeah. But again, <laughs> it's that limited experience. And, you know, I had some elder black people in my past who would call white people skinny. Look at those skinny Skinnies, people. Skinnies, yeah. yeah. Yeah, skinny. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, that's true. We call them pilgrims. They never called me that either. <laughs> pilgrims. Yeah, there you go. Pilgrims. Them pilgrims. <laughs> uh, Steve, you want you got uh, you got a special surprise for our listeners, from what I understand. Is I that right? Do actually, we got uh, we got four tickets to give away. Oh wow! To Ruben's show. That is yes. phenomenal tonight. Could, that's phenomenal. Could you let them know that I'm black before they arrive? He is black. <laughs> yes. Listen, listen, listen to all the uh, the people out there. Ruben Paul is an African American male. Yes. He's so don't wonderful. be surprised when he goes on stage and you have a heart attack and have to leave because <laughs> I'm not going to refund your money. Sorry. And, and let me just say this, and this might sound corny, but I truly believe this, and uh, I stand by this. Uh, my comedy comes from a place of love, period. And it's not yep, about that's a exclusion. Yep. It's about inclusion. Mm-hmm. And it's about learning to love and respect one another. We don't all have to be friends, but we should always try to understand and uh, have empathy. And um, I don't sit up here and, and paint everybody with one brush. So no, come you've laugh, always been a good that time. way, too. Yeah. As long as I've known you, you've always been that way. It, 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 you are... You truly are a really good human being, and and you thank know, you, man. I think I think JB should learn from that. <laughs> thank you very much. Just more, wow. shots, just more shots at me on a wow. More shots at JB. <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming in, man. It's just, how do you want to give the tickets away? I um, I posted on Facebook and Twitter. All they have to do okay, is good. like and share, and then just tag a friend that you want to bring along. So we're giving away two pairs of passes, so a total of four tickets. Oh, awesome. that be for tonight's show, though. For tonight's show. Tonight's show. Okay. Okay. Let's beat the weather and let's get out to a comedy show and have a good time. I know, yeah. cabin let's fever. Let's go. Yeah, come on. The snow was ridiculous. Come on, for you guys. April. Make a brother feel welcome. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please do that. Please do that. Ruben, always a great pleasure, man. Steve, thank you. Tom, as always. Awesome. Thank you for having me, Tom. Oh, God, it's it's a, a joy, believe me. We will be back with the family.